Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink. Hey, Shyla. How's it going today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm, you know, living the dream right now, I guess. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yes, for sure. But I am super excited for today's episode of Coffee, Beans, and Booze. Truly my favorite part of every week. Um, and so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about, we're doing something a little different today, right? Yeah, we are doing something different today. So we had the opportunity uh, to talk to Ali Parado, who is the exec, uh, she's the CEO or executive director. I can't remember. Did she say CEO? I think maybe of uh, SARC, which is a sexual assault resource council center here in Lebanon County but she's also another uh, works in another county as well um, and she was just such a great guest and had such great things to say um, that we decided that we're not gonna record us before the interview and we're just gonna I let agree. her read the show yeah. Allie can more than uh, carry our episode for sure. She is a complete delight. Um, I have to confess that I had never met Allie before um, meeting her virtually through our podcast. And so I have to thank you for introducing me to her. Um, she is absolutely amazing. And by the way, uh, how did you meet Allie? I can't remember. That's yes. so funny. I've been wrecking my brain since we recorded to try to remember how I met her. Um, but it just kind of speaks to like, I just feel like Allie has always been a part of my life. I seriously cannot remember how our paths connected. Uh, that's terrible. So maybe Allie, if you remember, you can let me know. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. And good. I think um, I am looking very forward to having Allie continue to be a part of my life. Um, even just after uh, recording all of this, we are in awe that we have not met each other before. Um, we've heard a lot about each other and we've crossed paths through people, but never physically. And so, um, so I just have to thank you very much for introducing yeah. me to such an amazing person. And I am so excited to share the great impact that she has in our community with all of our listeners. Yeah. So excited. So Ali, take it away. So Ali, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us on our on our podcast. Um, this is your first time meeting Jasmine. So but I as I learned just now, you guys are officially Facebook friends. We are. We are. It is official. It's and I'm true. super excited. And I'm not really sure why we haven't met before. Because in my research, we won't say that I was cyber stalking. We'll say I was research because that's what research, it was. Yeah, that, you know, research. I do my research before <laughs> interviews. And um, we have friends in common, not just Shyla. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super excited that, that we can um, get to, to meet virtually and then someday get to be, uh, meet in person. And so, um, so yeah, it's really great to meet you. Yeah, it's good to meet you too. And thanks for having me. As soon as Shyla told me about coffee, beans, and booze, I was like, okay, yeah, I could do that. That's great. <laughs> yes, and third time's a charm. We tried to schedule, but as life gets in the way, well, we had sick kids, then we had uh, COVID quarantine that happened mm-hmm. quarantine and now we figured out a way to do that without having to be together so correct yeah, so it's been amazing. good which yeah. is for me a great thing because I love technology and so the challenge of figuring out the technology of, of remote interviewing um, was was a welcome one so it was it was good so so before we talk a little bit about how this is affecting your world and your life and, and your work tell us um, you know if you could your you know what what do you do what do you do Allie what's what's your life made up of Oh, so I, I do a lot of things, but my day job, at, which is actually kind of a 24-hour job, is I run the Sexual Assault Resource and Counseling Center in Lebanon and Schuylkill Counties. So it's a nonprofit organization that serves survivors of sexual violence and their friends and families. 
we do a lot with prevention in the community as well. And I, uh, it's, it's interesting because I actually, um, my very first grown-up job was at SARC. So I worked at this organization when I was like 22 and fresh out of college. I like didn't know what it, what, you know, life had in store for me yet. And it started me down this, this path to do work in the anti-sexual violence movement. And I like left SARC, worked at a national organization doing anti-sexual violence work. And then I worked for the state coalition in Pennsylvania. And then I came back to SARC as the director. So it's been um, kind of a round trip journey to, to come back to where I'm at today. Very cool. It, we, we often say about how isn't it interesting how something gets you back around to where you were. Mm-hmm. And it's kind yeah. of this idea of like, you're sort of meant to be right in your space, you know. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, I feel that way about meeting you because we really do know a lot of people in common. I know people who work with SARC and SARC working at Lebanon Valley College. We've often provided resources or even like, I'm pretty sure I even worked on a website at one point for SARC. And so I'm kind of surprised we didn't overlap. So it's really great to meet you. And, and I'm thrilled, mm-hmm. particularly because I know the importance of SARC in our area. I mean, it is just an organization that we could not have not have in our community and, and the difference that you make. Do you feel like you're making, every day when you're working, do you feel like you, you make a difference every day? Um, that's a really good question. I think... Um I, I have always really appreciated the ability to do this work and to have um, just like it's it's really hard work right so so people mm-hmm. talk to you know to me to our staff and and I serve on our like 24-hour hotline stuff too so like I still talk to survivors about their experiences and it it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of trust to talk mm-hmm. to someone about something so difficult as a sexual violence victimization. Um, it's, it, you, you feel like, like it's a privilege to kind of be with someone mm-hmm. in, in their pain and their vulnerability. And, um, and, and that is really, it's really meaningful work. I, I, can't say that there's a single person that does this work or works at SARC that wants to have to do the work, you know, no, like sure. we, we wouldn't do it yeah. if yeah. Uh, we didn't think that there was a possibility to prevent it and hope for that mm-hmm. in the future. Um, but it's, it's powerful work. And, um, and I think that it really speaks to the, the feminist part of me and the root of what I do. Um, and, and has helped help to kind of focus and energy, if that makes sense. So, no, so feminism is sort of the lens through which I see and understand the world and, and the way people live in it and move through it and how oppression works. And um, it, it gives me an opportunity to sort of like focus in, or focus in and, and really uh, work towards something uh, that, that speaks to all those different passions in a really mm-hmm. clear way. So, so as you do that every day and, and you go to do this incredibly um, important but exhaustive work, how do you make sure that you're in the right frame of mind or that you can handle the pressure of something that is so much every day? You know, I believe greatly in what I do in our community, but oftentimes I'm aware of the fact that it's around things that maybe aren't quite as heavy. Or it doesn't mean that I don't 
hit those pieces or those things in a lot of ways it's yeah. a gateway to finding individuals who are who do have these larger issues but every day you're walking into knowing that you have the heaviest going on there how do you take care of yourself in that uh so it's it's interesting because i think you know 20 years ago if you were to ask someone who does like any kind of crisis response work or first responder work or victim service or anything like that um people would say like oh you just have to have like like a tough skin or like the kind of personality where you can really handle um you know hearing hard things and and you just let it bounce off you and you're not affected by it and i think that we've really come to a much different understanding of that now um and it's it's almost ludicrous to think that you can you know walk through i mean it really is that kind of trauma and not be affected by it right and um and i think when i started in the work i really came into it you know i had always been someone that people felt like they could talk to and um you know like i i could be at the library on my campus at three o'clock in the morning trying to bang out a term paper and all of a sudden like someone is like next to me telling me their life story (laughs) and it's like you know like and it's just like that has always been who I've been right sort of destined Um, to be in the position that you're in so you would think that and I started out in it like oh this is who I'm meant to be in the world. And I'm not as deeply impacted by this stuff as maybe other people would be. And I found out really quickly in my first year of doing, I was a children's advocate. So working with, you know, kids Mm -hmm. and teens who'd been sexually abused, that I was in fact not um, Mm -hmm. like... A, a superhero, or again, no, you know, maybe not I a mean, superhero, no, but like, the, I wasn't no, no one can be, right? There's and no, there's I was no affected, way. right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, like for the first time ever, I was like, I, I had my first nightmare of my entire life um, wow. in within probably six months of starting the work. And it took me, like, almost like a stupid long amount of time to figure out what was happening. Like I I was surrounded by people who were talking about this and Mm -hmm. talking about self care and, you know, like, and all of this stuff. And, and it took me forever to like finally recognize and acknowledge that I was impacted and affected Mm -hmm. by like the stories I was hearing. Um, and then like you, you almost like go through like the phases of it, like you're guilty because you're like, I am hearing stories of these things. I don't have any right to have a nightmare (laughs) because Mm -hmm. of it. And you have to almost like, like come to the, the point where you understand and can adjust and see like, okay, like, no, this is a part of, of doing the best work that you can possibly do is finding ways and places and spaces to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself. And so that like, that's looked different, like the whole. Well, it sounds like you evolve with it. Yeah. Like, you know, as as life evolves. Right. Now, do you utilize supervision in any way? Do you have people that you connect with and you have supervise, you know, supervision in terms of like, you know, in in our clinical land, supervision being like Mm -hmm. almost like a counselor, but a professional peer, basically. Someone to talk to and to figure things out with. And I I absolutely have those people in my life. Like, I I know exactly who I'm going to call when I Mm -hmm. have a question about like a really perplexing case um and i i'm more on the like the administrative and the business side of stuff so like i'll serve on the hotline or like handle a Mm walk-in but i'm not doing it you know 
eight hours a day like our counselors or therapists are anymore. Um, but it's still, I still know who who my people are that mm-hmm, I'll try mm-hmm. to figure things out with. And I, I have, um, you know, like back when I was counseling, you know, as my like regular full-time gig, um, like different things worked at different times. Like I've never been like a bubble bath and lavender candles person. <laughs> that just, like I, my mm-hmm. mind goes too fast to like be sitting still with something like that. Oh yeah, that's so the, I, uh, the Brianna Weiss, White Weiss uh, article that self-care is not not those things. It's it's being present in your yeah. life at all times, right? right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, so then like furiously journaling mm-hmm. was like the thing that kind of got stuff to help out, get it out me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like just writing, you mm-hmm. know, like the blah, everything in my head goes out on paper and, um, and now like, and, and it's changed over time. Sometimes it's, um, you know, watching something stupid funny you know like it could yeah. be that whatever it is that the just, releases that you need in yeah it, sure. whatever the releases in the moment right and it's different now like I, I don't I have three really young children now and um so I don't have like the luxury of like taking an hour to furiously write it quietly right. in a space you know um so it, it it's you know, mm-hmm. exercise or going out for a while, you know, like just doing right. the things that kind of help me to, to get back to myself. See, yeah. oh, go ahead. You, yeah, no, I was going to mm-hmm. say that it, sometimes it's really hard and I feel that pressure of like, you know, I, I have a three minute commute to pick up my children. And so, you know, I don't get to spe- have very much space between being excuse me, the executive director of something and, and being in control of something and then having to be mm-hmm. the executive director of my home. And so mm-hmm. sometimes that becomes really challenging, right? Is like figuring out, I hate the word balance as we talked earlier. Like yeah, there is a, not, there's not really the, a word of balance. Yeah, it's, but. it's mm-hmm. yeah, just, just trying to figure out where you fit into all of that and, and those moments where you can take rest and pause and, and connecting with people who, who kind of help you along those paths. It's, it's a challenge. It's ever evolving, yeah. right? It is. And every day is different and every phase is different. You know, I think it's, it's interesting. Just like, like you said, I think we deal with and react, we react to, and we see things differently at different phases of our lives. And I think the smartest thing we can do is to pay attention to that, you know, kind of, kind of a deal. My, my daughter is home during all of this COVID thing. She lives in New York city and, and she's uh, home remotely working from there. And she says something to me the other day, because I said to her, I said, Oh, you were really quick to jump on me about that or, or whatever it happened to be. And we've become, now that we have this adult relationship, we just kind of can say that to each other now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, by the way, you really were hot there. And, and maybe, you know, maybe we could both, you know, and she said to me, well, mom, you talk to people differently now than you used to, because I really do try to like, I went through a phase in my life where I was really quick to like jump on stuff. And now I kind of try to chill it down mm-hmm. and explain why I'm feeling the way that I am. And she's like, I'm trying to catch up to that. And I, <laughs> and I said to her, you know, I didn't take offense to that. She didn't say it in a mean way. She mm-hmm. meant it in an honest way. And I said, I'm glad that I can be the kind of mom that you can see can change as an adult woman of how I react mm-hmm. to something because I'd like to be that person who I didn't have all the answers then. I surely don't have all the answers now. I might even have less, but you know, to be able to be wise enough to say, yeah, I can change yeah, or I can be something different or I can, you know, I can be someone who maybe isn't so sharp tongued, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I can bring that back a little bit. So I was happy Real for that moment. But Ellie Time. is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ellie's a lot of things in, in my professional world, but one of the things that you do so well is you're really good at asking questions. I oh. love the alley questions. Tell me more. 
I want to hear more about that. You're really good at that. That's like something that you've honed like in a professional, I'm sure, in that setting, but you've, you've brought it into your personal life. Um, so how does that help you to kind of engage with people who, who might need you? And how has that shaped your world? I have always been a question asker. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it's something that, that honed in in my professional life or if it's just how I've always been. Um, but I, I think of myself as like an extroverted person, but I really like to know and understand people. And I, I had I, one of my really, really good friends was um, she did a master's in communication studies and she interviewed me for this project that she was doing. And um, the reason why she wanted to interview me is because she thought of me as a story keeper. Like there are people who are storytellers and there are people who are story keepers. And love this um, yeah. yeah, like it, it was fast. Like, oh my gosh, we well, had such a theater, good conversation. We talk about being the tellers of stories, not storytellers, because we're not making things up, right? We're the tellers of the story that someone is taking the time to craft and build. And there's a respect that comes to being the teller of stories. So I love mm-hmm. this idea, though, being the story keeper. Let's see, how does this go? Tell me more about that (laughs) yes yes, that's exactly yeah so um so her thought was like like just watching me move through the world getting to know me I asked a lot of questions was her that you know like you ask questions you really seem to care what the answer is like it's not just about formulating what the response is going to be to the question it's understanding how and why things work or people think what they do or you know like how that all works um and I just it like it's almost like like a weird inception thing like it's just part of how I understand the world like I want to see this the can the construct that is happening in someone's thought process so that I can like best understand and navigate um, the conversation, you know, like if it's, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to say next or how, what I think is filling into what they're saying, um, then I won't, I won't get what they're trying to tell me. So, yeah. So, um, how has your, your questioning, your line of questioning, it's not a bad thing, but how has it been received by the people you're talking to? Do you think that people, like that you know I think people like to talk about themselves so it's probably not necessarily a bad thing but have you met that like some opposition like why are you asking me that why why do you want to know more like I this is how I feel yeah I think it depends and I think it depends on um on the context or how people um how people are taking the question asking like I think people who know me really well um like trust that it's coming from a good space um and that, you know, I'm not asking questions in order to like getcha or anything like that. Uh, it's really just trying to understand. Um, but sometimes like I've had, t- I have a lot of things that I can like times in my life that has gotten me in trouble too. Cause it's, you know, even if it's like with the best of intention or trying to understand, um, sometimes it, people can get kind of defensive, um, or don't know, um, don't know how to take it or it, it uh, I don't, I don't know if it's like, like if they're not sure what their thought. Well, sometimes yeah. people haven't really is. stopped to think about it. I bet. Yeah. I bet they. I yeah. bet you know. I'm always amazed. We even do it to each other sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you'll ask me a question, I'll be like, I, I never thought about that, or mm-hmm. I'll ask you something, you're like, that's interesting because I think regardless of how well you know someone, 
sometimes the people you really just want more and sometimes we haven't stopped to think about those things sometimes like the I don't know why you know you asked me that one time about like why do I think it's so important to to listen to young people Mm -hmm. and you said to me do you think it has to do with the fact that maybe you didn't always feel listened to or that 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 you saw children not be listened to which is is you know my parents I was an only child they had no choice but to like listen to everything (laughs) I said but you know but but there is something to that it's grounded in you in some way and, and maybe you don't necessarily think about the things that are so grounded in a person, yeah. in a person for sure. So being on the administrative end of a nonprofit, um, you know, it's interesting because you talked about it and you said, you know, like I'm, I'm in the office, I'm, I'm administrative, but without what you do, literally the organization could not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of pressure to that. You know, I, I see that for you, Shyla. I see that for the organizations that I run. You know, while we know that there are volunteers or there are staff or there are people out there to do more work and, and things going on, how do you handle the pressure of knowing that that you've got this you've got to make sure the business end mm-hmm. of a something people like to not think about the business end right um you know how do you how do you process that hmm. um i don't sleep sometimes <laughs> like, i'm sure i'm sure the, amen uh, I Preach. Think yes. the, the instant that i i accepted the job it was the first time in my life that i like woke in the middle of the night thinking about like what if work stuff you know like and it it wasn't the same as like oh I had a nightmare from like the impact of trauma stories that I was hearing or things like it was like what if I'm bad at this what right. if I tank this organization? Right, like, right. Yeah. What if I don't know level. how to read a financial yeah. statement well right. enough to do, you know, like money stuff in, like money that. out, money. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. pretty sure mm-hmm. that when I took the well, when I was being considered for the, the mm-hmm. ED job at the Karen Cupboard, I was here at your house and like I'm pretty sure I was crying and I was like I don't know. And Mark's like, like, it's fine. You're gonna be fine. You were like, it's this whole organization and it exists and you know. And what if I this ah. and they run this way and it is. It's a huge amount of pressure. You know what I mean? That because you care so much, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you can do the things that that we do without truly believing every syllable of the mission of something. Because yeah. it's like you said, Allie, you don't have sleep. You're with your kids, and sometimes you're thinking about other things. You're you're with you know like all of these mm-hmm. different things, and because you love it, and it becomes such a fiber of things, right? Mm-hmm. You you can't. There isn't There's a separation. An, a, a whole enmeshment of your life. It becomes part of just part of you, mm-hmm. right? And and separating yeah. yourself, like going to parties and stuff, like. I, I experience this like everywhere I go, people ask me questions and mm-hmm. do you get that too? I'm sure you get that. Like how yeah. Sark, even in like, it, it should be a fun mm-hmm. gathering with friends. When I'm with you, someone. people always ask yeah. how they can make a donation, which is delightful yeah. and sweet and how they can volunteer yeah. and, and like constantly. And so I often feel for you, yeah. but I'm the same. Like, like I'll say to her like, do you need help this weekend? And then but I'm you're like, you're allowed. You have then, the past. Like, but, then that's I, okay. <laughs> but then I catch myself and I'm like, or I could check your website <laughs> and I could do that. Like I try not to be that person, but I'm totally that person too, you know, yeah. but I think it's because we become the identity of the the mm-hmm. organization sometimes you know yeah you, i'm sure you become ally from sark like it becomes that's your new last name you know sometimes yeah, probably and, and that's not a bad yeah. thing i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i think it talks about the impact that we yeah, have on, on, sure. on very important things it just makes so. it a little terrifying for succession planning and 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 other things right like i just fin- finished our succession plan like oh good maybe i'll steal it. yours yeah Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks. You're yeah. welcome to check it out. <laughs> that's like a I, really yeah. big kid thing to do. Wow. That's like, oh, yeah. yeah Ali is like rock star board, like 
connoisseur. She's like our go-to for all kinds of questions related oh, to that right. like volunteers. Well, and don't just, tell people that. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Or should we edit that part out? <laughs> I don't actually know what I'm doing. Don't. Oh, I got you. I I'm got sure you. that's not. I'm sure that's not true. Did you? How did you learn all of those wonderful things? Did you have a great mentor that along the way that really told taught you sort of how boards should work and and uh, on that kind of end? Yeah, yeah. I have I have a lot of great mentors, but probably my best mentor is my mom. Uh, my mom runs a nonprofit, a much bigger nonprofit actually mm-hmm. than mine. Um, and so, in the especially the probably the first six months to a year of being an executive director, um, I would probably call my mom like either crying or near tears. Uh, multiple days of the week and just Mm -hmm. like not knowing what I was doing or how it was working or how how I was supposed to relate to a board of directors or what their role was and kind of just like just navigating it and figuring it out because it's a really different way um, to to build accountability into what you do Mm -hmm. and um, and so I I asked her a ton of questions um, in my role at um, the state coalition before coming back to SARC, I was the uh, contract monitor. So like it was my job to go around and visit all the sexual assault centers and like mm-hmm. understand them in and out, which went well with the question asking thing that I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're part so, of the state. Now you're coming and asking yeah. me all these questions. Great. It actually, it worked out super well though, because it was the best, is the best freaking job that anyone mm-hmm. could have have at a state coalition because I like I was the person who knew the people doing the work on the ground level Mm -hmm. and I could show up and just like like ask questions show genuine interest and like Mm -hmm. passion for the work that they were doing uh, you know like celebrate this really hard work that I knew they were doing and bring it back and kind of sell it to like the higher ups or poly, you know, whoever needed to see their reports, right. whatever. Um, and really advocate and, for what they needed and advocated for, for the information they needed and all, all yeah, of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And it sure. was really clear that like, it like, can be really lonely to be the leader of a nonprofit mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause like, you can't talk to your coworkers about it. Cause you know, that's like not appropriate most of the time. Um, You're stuck in like an in-between, you're trying to navigate like the business end of things and like the community relations and, you know, really hard work on top of it and crisis response and victim service. And so like I would go around and I would start asking questions and, and it was amazing that, you know, even executive directors who started out like, oh, this is a a monitor, like I got to button up, like, a few questions down the road, they just needed somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. And like, there's really few people that that you have permission to just like lay stuff out for, mm-hmm. and and to be that it was like you know like ED ED therapy or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it like I, it, I often it was think a really about this thing. in terms. I, I often think about this in terms of like being, uh, it's almost like being a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like you have the same responsibility. Like you have to keep leading this thing and this group of people and asking people to do and be a part of what you're doing. But at the same time, you can't have those personal relationships in the same way that you can. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a, a really big parallel between being like the leader of a church and being the leader of a nonprofit. Now, obviously 
churches are nonprofit as well, but I think there's a yeah. lot of similarities in terms of like mm-hmm. what is expected of you in leadership. So, I well, because you have to be the leader and leader, you can't always be. It's like being a parent, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you at some yeah. point, you yeah. have to keep a bit of that separation because you have this immense pressure of making sure that you're looking at that overall vision and that overall piece. And you know, it sounds to me, Ali, we've literally known each other for twenty something minutes here. Um, you know, and it sounds to me like that ability of yours to be able to look at that big picture and want to know how things work together, you know, is probably what leads you to such great success because you're you're not satisfied just with the small win. You want to see how all the cogs go together to make the mm-hmm. big puzzle piece work, helping the most amount of people mm-hmm. who need this incredible support, you know, kind of kind of a thing. So absolutely. Yeah. So I the burning question I have is like, you know, I'm, I'm sure other people may have this, but how do you handle um, I know prevention is something that you're really interested in. Um, and you know, how do you handle talking about sex, sexual things, all that stuff to adults in Lebanon County who in Schuylkill County who, um, you know, those aren't things we talk about? Like, mm-hmm. how do you handle those conversations? And what are some things that like you can like, what are some of your tips that you use that, that, that are helpful? Uh, yeah. So, um, it depends on the group that I'm talking to. And, um, and so if I'm, if I'm walking into a group of folks that, uh, you know, seem a little like, Ooh, I don't know what to expect from this person who's talking about this stuff. Um, sometimes I'll start out by asking a question that, um, takes them right to an area of like vulnerability. So like, hey, you've all heard of the Me Too movement, right? Who in this room has been afraid of a false sexual harassment charge in their workplace? Yeah. Um, and just and, get and, there, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. and just like, like just get there. Um, and and I'll, like, I could, you know, heads up, seven up, like close your eyes, yeah. put your hand, you know, like just give me an idea of what I'm working with. Um, and, and just kind of work back from there. Like, hey, like you might be on the defensive. I'm just here to give you information. Like mm-hmm. it's not about like wheedling you out or, um, you know, like finding the bad seeds or the bad eggs. Like the, the fact is that we all have things that we're worried about in the community. The fact is that like 90 some percent of the time survivors aren't going to like there there's not false reporting rampant right. in in the community um people who commit sexual violence like it's a small portion of the population committing a lot of the violence and we all need to be working together in order mm-hmm. to prevent it from happening um and and holding people accountable for the actions that they're taking um, i bet you do get a lot of defensive people though mm-hmm. who say a lot of not great things and probably some just dumb shit along the way <laughs> like to be honest like I bet you do because when people are defensive of course you know of something mm-hmm. or they're or they're concerned um that they're even being like victim you. blaming and concepts around mm-hmm. that like that's that's got to be a big challenge I don't know we're we're, we're making some assumptions here maybe true yeah, <laughs> yeah true. No, I mean, it's a huge thing you can't open a newspaper or like a web browser without seeing some huge story and all like if you dare enter the comment section it's terrifying yeah um, no i'm a no comment reader <laughs> i don't do it i really don't Shut because I, I just don't i don't because i'm like there is no land do you know what's funny i don't even read reviews on amazon anymore because i don't believe anybody no i'm like it's only, the, made up. it's only the top and the bottom like you know what i mean so i'm the same way with comments of things uh, and, and would rather yeah. you know talk to individuals who could give me intelligent yeah. 
information. So, mm-hmm. Allie, um, I, I did pre-screen this question with you, so I think this is a this is going to be a great great topic of conversation. Jasmine is you're four foot ten. ten. I'm four foot yeah. ten inches. Yeah, and, and we've made it through all of these. Have guessed it. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm four foot ten, and you know I'm just laughing because um, every conversation of my entire life has pretty much always started with my height because I'm we <laughs> you're so short. and some way you're so short how is like how do you hear anybody from down there? you know all the stupid things yeah. people say and we've made it all these episodes without my height ever coming up yeah but I understand the flip side yes. of that is yes. that Allie you are 6'2 is that correct I am oh yep I'm 6'2 so I would be interested to know, do you have this, you know, my whole life, one, my name is unique and two, I'm only 4'10". Okay. So that is always, these always have always been defining things that I always spun into making it that I was memorable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In that yeah. kind of way, what's, what's your interaction with your height and, and notability from it been? Uh, people do also take note of my height pretty regularly and I, it kind of drives me crazy because, um, I don't know if you know this or not, Shyla, but I'm really bad at like putting faces and names together. Like I'll remember sometimes like an interaction that I had, but I, it's really hard for me to remember names until I meet someone multiple times and have to like drill it into myself. And it drives me crazy because people always remember me because I'm over six feet tall and I have giant curly hair and I have a big mouth and they they remember me and they remember my name and they remember what I do and it's like impossible um impossible for me to reciprocate I totally feel you because I'm the same way and do you know what Ali I'm gonna totally admit it I am equally not as good with names and faces Mm. um and putting the two together and I oftentimes people see me in a performance state so they already a lot of people see me before I know who they are kind of a deal but and I wonder if it's kind of the same thing they do they remember who I am and I'm sure it has some of that it's like yeah I guess and we're opposite ends I'm so fascinated by this that's amazing I feel like we we, yeah so we I I had to do a little bit of like we're at a disadvantage (laughs) yeah yeah so the average height of a woman Mm -hmm. in um, born and raised in the United States is 5'4 so I'm just a shade under 5'4 like I'm like maybe a quarter of an inch under 5'4 so I am like average but I do feel as though uh there are times when I'm not taken as seriously because I am a woman because I am short you know like all of these men are towering over me and mm-hmm. I'm like nope that's not how we're doing things and they're like haha you're just so cute and little that's okay like <laughs> I feel like there is a like a little bit of a disadvantage there that yeah. I don't I don't do you feel like Ali sometimes you you're on the other end of that that you feel like you're like this like force yeah like you're you're uh, kind of yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I never really thought about it until you said something the other day. Um, I think, so, so from my perspective, like almost everybody is short. So I don't like to stay, like I, I, it never occurred to me, Shyla, that you were a short person. Oh, <laughs> and I don't think you're short. I think else. you're like, yeah. if you had well, asked I'm me, I, I would have thought you were like 5'5". Five, five. Yeah. Okay. Which is like dream height in my land. So, yes. yeah. like, all I ever wanted was so for my daughter to be taller than five, <laughs> make five foot. Make myself a little taller. You can't see that, that but I'm happen. making myself taller. Yeah. Uh, so, one of my very best friends is also six two. Uh, she says she tells everybody that she's five eleven and a half, and everybody asks her if she plays basketball. It's a whole yes. thing. She doesn't want to be six foot, right? So <laughs> she tells everybody she, you know, she's that height, and then she, people will say, "Would you play basketball?" And she's like, "I reflected, like, I just, I want to say back to them, would you mini golf?' Like." <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna ask me 
me about something that's height appropriate. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of funny. People so. tell me I should play golf all the time, like regular golf, because height doesn't matter. Oh. And I'm like, thanks. Well, thanks Appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, it's good to know. I'm like, I don't like know. the implication of that is that height matters everywhere else in the world. Like, what is that? Except I, golf. Except <laughs> golf. And so, and it's a deficiency apparently in me. Um, you know, uh, but I, I love that you described yourself basically in exactly the same way I would describe myself. I, I have a loud mouth. I'm, you know, memorable, but except that I would say I'm short. Like, you know what I mean? Which is really interesting, um, which I hope means that much of the world, once we open our mouths, pay a whole lot more attention sure, to that than I they do so. than they do height per se. But yeah, I don't know. I never really minded being memorable for it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a, just a thing. Yeah. I'll always say like you know blame God. I don't know what to tell you. Like I can't I can't control this. So I don't know what to tell you. Like, no turn it back now. Like, no. When I was a kid though, and I I wonder when I was a kid, you know they they had talked to my parents about things like hormone therapy or or a procedure where they actually put like a strip in like a metal uh, rod in your leg and that kind of stuff. And my parents were like no. They were like, no, we're not going to like alter our really child. Invasive. And they literally yeah. said, well, no one's going to take her seriously. And I was like, oh, that's cute, because that's not my life. So, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you so. just get to be a, a little force. I guess. A well, we force. can be little forces <laughs> and big forces in the world, Allie. And I am so <laughs> thrilled that you are in our community doing the amazing things you're doing. And I look very forward to uh, to getting to see you in person someday, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Has, has service delivery changed pretty significantly for you during COVID? Uh, in some ways, yeah. So we, we changed over... Um, instead of doing so if we have scheduled counseling sessions or things like that we've started using um telecounseling or like video mm-hmm. conferencing through a, a HIPAA secure platform to do that so like scheduled one-on-one counseling appointments are happening you know over the interwebs or over the phone uh, but we're we're considered an essential service so we're still you know going on police accompaniments or um interviews at the CRC or, um, you know, like anything that is kind of like an emergent, uh, sexual assault advocacy need that's still happening as it normally would. Um, but it's, uh, I think the, the biggest impact has probably been on our prevention education mm-hmm. work. So like a lot of our work, it, um, especially during the school year is with in schools or at like daycare centers or working, you know, working with groups that have like parents and children together. And those places are not happening right now. Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. it took some like really big adaptation. Uh, so like, if you follow SARS, on Facebook, for instance, you'll see that we have like Facebook live events where we do our like programming for K to two, um, or we are recording our programs so that uh, teachers can share them on their, you know, on their virtual platforms for the, the students who otherwise would see us in person. Um, it's It's been interesting to see how people in our, you know, our prevention educators have really adapted what they do. So things that would mm-hmm. normally be like, oh, I'm going to read this story and then we're all going to practice this activity or do this art project together. They're having to find really creative ways to do those in asynchronous formats mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, and and work through that and still make it interesting. And they're doing it. Like I, I put my kids in front of like the Facebook live stream for like the K to two and they 
love Miss Katie and Miss Clarissa. Like these are people that they they never, like they don't know them. Um, And if I'm on like a zoo, like a staff meeting or something and they walk by and see either Miss Katie or Miss Clarissa who like tag team to do it, they're like, it's Miss Katie. Oh my (laughs) gosh. She teaches us about our bodies. Like it's it's like, so like they're still having that like connection and impact, even Mm -hmm. though it's not the normal way which is really cool to see but you know our children the small children in our lives aren't going to know it as different right you know they're not going to and and I learned a lot through Saturday morning cartoons so I have a lot of faith and yeah so Aliana on a like funding side and and just like an analytic side um how do you what is your metric for success in prevention programming how do you report successes? Oh, and that's a really good question. So um, there's been <laughs> there's been a lot of shift in that over the last couple of years. So I think for a long time, like it was almost like people were p- counting prevention like cogs, like how many kids did you see or like how many classrooms mm-hmm. were you in? Or, you know, like how many hours of this did you do? And it's really changed now to... Um, to measure um, shifts or changes in behaviors or skills. So it's like knowing from the start that there are certain behaviors that increase risk for violence or victimization and behaviors that decrease risk for violence and victimization. Um, And then creating programming that hopefully helps you to move the needle in one direction or the other and measuring how far you've moved the needle. So um, to, to give you an example, our like the programming that we do for kids in kindergarten, it's um, like a Care for Kids, pro, it's called Care for Kids. And um, it's based on all these metrics for risk and protective factors for future perpetration of violence. So like all the things that we know about the people who may commit violence later on, like the things that make it more likely or less likely that they would be one of those people. And the program is built around that. So like children who grow up having um, trusting relationships with a caring adult are less likely to perpetrate violence. Um, Children who understand boundaries and being okay with like someone setting boundaries with them are more likely to to not commit or less mm-hmm. likely to commit violence later on. So it's like mm-hmm. doing those things that kind of help mm-hmm. over a, ser- a course of time to to see that, that children have built their skills and being able to like hear no and accept it and be okay. And you know, and like those skills like are building a better community overall. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, we were on a sure. break before you were asking me about like how my respectful son became respectful. And you know, it's those skills in our communities that, that mm-hmm. yes, it prevents sexual violence, but it prevents a million other things too right and so that betterment of the overall community by looking at that big picture is just really having just such an incredible community impact so yeah yeah. there's actually there's a ton of research that supports that too so Mm -hmm. like things that prevent sexual violence are also the things that prevent bullying or elder mm-hmm. abuse or um, gang violence. Like there's so many interconnected right. all all risk yeah. factors sense, and protective yeah. factors and it, yeah. all, it all fits together really, really well. Yeah. The other mm-hmm. thing that, um, that we talk a lot about is sort of like the community level stuff and the society level stuff that prevents violence. So, um, 
like housing and homelessness are mm. huge risk factors mm -hmm. for both victimization and perpetration. Um, like, uh, so, so if you kind of look at like poverty, like poverty and policies that impact poverty or housing in the community, like those are also things that we would look at to have community level change in, in violence reduction. So it's like, it's a whole, you know, yeah. the, the socioeconomic Yeah, it's so hard to see factors. things as just a myopic, from a myopic point of view, right? So like we talked, mm -hmm. we talk mm -hmm. about social determinants of health and all the things that kind of play into healthy people in healthy communities. And it's a, it's a spiral downward sometimes, but it's, it's helpful to know what, what all of those things are and how we can well, be helpful in, in and that then, process. And then we can not only prioritize what those pieces are, but we can see the interlocking support systems that different mm -hmm. organizations can have. So yeah. I think that's, and that's a lot of where we, we see value is if, if we can band together as organizations and see how we can support the education mm -hmm. that each is doing for the community, well, then it's that better good overall. Yeah. Um, you know, working yeah. smarter together. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, man, we say this about every guest. We could mm -hmm. talk for the next four hours and have really good content. So, yeah. So, Very true. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have three questions that we ask each of our guests. So, um, saddle up here. Um, yes. So, um, my I represent the coffee beans side of this relationship, as you know. And um, my question oh, for you is... No, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, yes. Oh, I yes. am the coffee bean side. So, the other piece, and it would be interesting <laughs> to see if we have this in common, is I don't drink caffeine at all. All because I am naturally this heightened um, and kind of came out of the womb as a cheerleader. So um, I don't have any caffeine because it would be a bad scene, but I love coffee drinks. And so I have them just to caffeinate it. But what is your favorite frou-frou coffee drink? I do not generally like frou-frou coffee drinks. I, uh, tend, I like bitter things. So okay. that's why I love coffee. Um, mm -hmm. If I, if I have like probably the closest thing I get to frou-frou is like, uh, like no sugar latte. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and mm -hmm. I, like, I, I, I like flavor, like the flavor of things, but I want it to still be coffee bitter. So like, yeah. I, no. this is an iced coconut coffee with no sugar or anything in it. It's just... Mm -hmm coffee and ice and coconut flavor um, and I also so I I try to limit my caffeine as well um, I drink mm -hmm. like my travel like half calf in the morning mm -hmm. and then anything after that is decaf um, I don't miss the caffeine I really I just really don't miss it at all and I do yeah. better with it and and much like you I'm my head is spinning at night and I don't need anything to keep me <laughs> from true. sleeping yeah yeah like I don't need that, any additional so, yeah. stimulation I've got enough happening um but yeah. I like I broke my mm -hmm. caffeine addiction probably around when I got pregnant like mm -hmm. I think it was pregnancy related Hmm. And then, like, like, I, like I realized so. I didn't need it, and that's yeah. right. So I have it. Yes. Well, Shiloh represents the booze side of this relationship. It's true. Because yeah. what's the best Shiloh? A drunk Shiloh. She's just fun. Tipsy. I mean, she's tipsy. You know, All right. Drunk. Ever... Drunk is no. Yeah, drunk is yes, harsh. Yeah. But she represents the booze side of things, and therefore. Uh, so, what is your favorite uh, cocktail or adult beverage? Um, I also tend toward bitter things. So like I like an IPA or, um, sometimes a sour, like, uh, like a dark coffee, uh, stout, like a Java head or something like mm -hmm. that in mm -hmm. the beer. And I, I like beer, wine and 
liquor, so like, I don't. I don't it depends on what I'm in the mood for. Are you in like um, a Manhattan drinking, or like an old fashioned? Because that's got bitters in it too, right? Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever had either of those things, right. so I don't. It's know, a date. I don't know there if we I like go. It. We're, we're um, going to the Rising is Sun it after sweet, a week. Though mm-hmm. no, it's no, like, not at no. all. Definitely, it sounds like it would be on your yes. Okay, I might like it then. Yeah, um, okay. It's a date. If I'm it's drinking date. wine, I like like a like a red, a dry red or a, a really it's dry you. white. Yeah. Um, and then I, I really like mojitos though. Mm. But like my like for Mother's Day, my husband like planned to make me a mojito, but it was like not even a little bit sweet. Like it was basically like seltzer water and lime and, um, and mint and mm-hmm. Bacardi. Uh, but, yeah, so, um, extra Bacardi because like, it do... was Mother's Day and you deserved it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> uh, actually my kids drove me absolutely crazy on Mother's Day. Like they did not get the concept and my, yeah. my four-year-old like all day long was like, well, when do I get presents? You're like, why are we having what mom likes for breakfast? This is ridiculous. You're like, okay, I have 365 days to teach you what this day yeah. is about. Yeah. Yes. We, we so, got some time, yes. some work to do here. Our final question for you is, what is your passion? Uh, I have a lot of passions. Um, and my kids recently asked me, they were talking about the themes for their birthday parties and what they wanted their birthday party to be like. And they asked me what what things I like, like what would the theme of my birthday party be? And my answer was that I like coffee and I like wine and I like reading books. And <laughs> the perfect day. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we need it's, a Mother's yes. Day redo with mm-hmm. all of those items yeah. locked well, away like, in the menu. I Mickey. had all those things on Mother's Day. So it, like in all fairness, and I, I have a wonderful, wonderful little man who is my husband, and I love him dearly. Um, I love that really you just called him a little man. Me. He is—he is a little man. He's short. He's short, and he's adorable. And he's yeah, a but we've, man. we've already learned though that short is relative. So, like, how tall is this man? How tall? Uh, like five ten on a good day. Maybe? This she says is short. Can I remind you that he's a foot taller than I am? I'm just saying. My husband is six well, one though, so there you go. He's my little man though. Like he is. Some, does every he, once in a does while, does he find like, that as a diminutive term or as a pejorative you know, he term? Lo- he loves that he's my little man. Aww. <laughs> oh, I What's like the term of endearment. That's, he's adorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like we're we're totally good with it. Sometimes we have like a little step in our house, so like sometimes he'll stand on top of the step and I'll stand on I the do that. Step. I do that. Right? <laughs> Your so, husband so and I can be like, friends and we can right? like so, share. Yeah, we, we should yes. be friends and it, like we he'll can. like hug me and like his his arms are over top of my shoulders and I'm like look it's like we're a normal couple. <laughs> we're having the same conversations but just the opposite way where I'm like look this is what it would be like if I was like a normal 5'5 five five or something. Yeah. Funny. Well and I often think about the fact that I always like look up at things but I'm like he's constantly having to look down at my head I hope I don't yeah. have like a bald spot or anything <laughs> like that yeah and and yeah. as an, an extra question bonus material here mm-hmm. um sometimes Derek will identify that I'm I'm a difficult person to be married to because of my role in the community mm. and because I'm such a force and like a, you know it's all these things and like he's an introvert so that doesn't help so like when we go out places and like I'm like constantly like talking and engaging with people like it's just a lot and sometimes he feels a little neglected um how does your husband and respond to you being uh, you know a good community force and 
And I know he has his roles in the community yeah, as well. Yeah, I so mean, like he has his own stuff. And he if he would identify himself as an introvert, too, I think. Um, but he, um, I think when I when I took this job or really all like all the way through our relationship, he always really liked being like the first husband. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I love that. like he I, I think at least I think he likes that we joke about it a lot. Like he he likes to come to like Sark events or, you know, like whatever my like event of the Mm -hmm. moment was or like my organizing or activism like whatever I was doing like he likes to come to those things and be like okay what's my job I love it I love it that's fantastic Mark used to be that way when I worked for the state and that was literally like his role and I would be like listen you know you need to like I'm gonna need to be talking to this person so just so you know Mm -hmm. here's the background on the other people their spouse their their partner whatever happened to be and he loved that too he he thought it was like the most interesting thing ever and he has like a secret agent job right yeah yeah. (laughs) and maybe your husband's like this too and Derek is like this even though he might not admit to it but Mark loves to see me work in my element. He loves to see me yeah. do the thing. And I'm sure your husband does too, because I don't yeah. think we can be in in positions like no. we're in without that support. I think yeah. it's really hard if you don't have someone who is cheering you on when your days are so long oh, and yeah. so hard. Well, and mm-hmm. he's, a, he's great once he's there. It's the yeah. idea of having to like go to my gala and like entertain a table of people while I'm not there. Like, and you know, we, we always have the table of like the VIPs or the award winners mm-hmm. or like whatever. And so he's like, for the love. Can so I just I sit did, with our yeah. friends? Yeah. <laughs> can, can I just have fun? Can I go sit with Jasmine and Mark? It'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> we are fun. That's true. That is true. Yes. So do you have you have a large Sark event each year too, don't you? Isn't there like a big? <laughs> we do. Right? Uh, yeah. Um, so Sark's big event is our Monte Carlo event. And I'm going to be it, honest with you. I've heard about this event many times, but I have yet to have an invite. So I might have to find myself to, uh, to Ticketland. Yeah. Are you guys rescheduling? So it was supposed to be on um, March 20th. And we decided like the week before that Mm -hmm. we were going to postpone and we postponed until June. So it's currently uh, scheduled for June 19th, but we're in review. It's yeah, Yeah. it's a weird time. Like our venue isn't even like the kitchen's not even open right now. So like, and as a leader, it's hard to Mm -hmm. know what to do right now. Like everybody's looking to you for like, you know, make a decision and you've got pressure to to not have it and pressure to have it because I'm sure that Mm -hmm. has a huge financial implication on your year. So it is huge. Well, when you're able to have that and all let us know and we will be there to support for sure. Yeah, sounds great. (laughs) Sorry, we we cut you off. We cut you off with your passions conversation. Were there more passions that you wanted to talk about or? Um, I I don't know. I'm passionate about a lot of things. I am really passionate that people should be treated like people, um, all people. Uh, and I think that that's a driving force. Um, I really like, I have an advocate soul, so I like hone into things when things are like unfair. Um, and, and really don't, I don't like that and do everything that I can to make that better and, and create equity in, in what I do. Um, I am, <laughs> someone asked me just today, actually, if I was causing trouble again um, with things, questions I was asking, actually. Um, so I think I'm passionate about um, kind of pushing people past their comfort zones because I think that's where... Mm-hmm where growing happens. Um, 
Sometimes it's where the best ideas come from, yeah. right? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you just do the same ho-hum stuff all the time, then mm-hmm. what's the point? Um, so I'm passionate about things that kind of rock the boat a little bit, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. It's just why I like, you're my ally, Allie, because I've been called a bulldog more on more than one occasion. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like Sarah Palin, <laughs> like a Sarah Palin, Palin bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> so, like a bulldog yeah, and know. lipstick or something. I know. At first I was like, ooh. And then I was like, well, I am. And I'm not afraid to tell people like, yeah. no, this doesn't make sense. And what do you mean you're going to do X, Y, Well, because Z. if it is going to make sense, yeah. what's the harm in me asking the yeah. question? I think that's my thing. Like, don't be afraid of the questioning right you know like don't be afraid of the time that it takes if we if we care yeah then let's figure this well, out and 100 percent of what i do is because i want a community right. that i'm proud of and a community that yeah. i want to raise my kids in and you know that's that's 100 percent behind why mm-hmm. i do what i do it's it's not self-serving it's not because i want to be this thing or whatever it's right you know. yeah, so like sure. multiple people have called you a bulldog <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten I've gotten that term, yeah, a few times. That's, that's whatever. It makes me want to know what people are calling me. <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't know. it's all good. Well, Ali, you have been a fantastic guest. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with us. Yes, and when this is over, we're going out for Manhattan's. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla, and I'm Jasmine, and we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and Drunk Shallow. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink!